Oh my <laughs> <laughs> <Welcome> everybody. <laughs> what is up? Oh my gosh. Okay, we're having a day already. We are here. It's Sam and Maddie with HB Hose. Say hello. What's up, Hose? Yeah. Maddie is currently groaning like Viserys himself because she's dealing with some hip issues. Um <laughs> Hold the muscle. <laughs> healthy oh my gosh okay we're here to talk about house of dragon season one episode eight the lord of the tides which um was phenomenal directed by gita patel uh makes a lot of sense that there are no dark scenes goodbye miguel sapachnik please give gita a raise and keep her on for next season if i hear that she's not going to be here after this fucking phenomenal episode I will be very, very upset. But yeah. with that being said, overall okay. thoughts? Overall thoughts? Let's get into it. Yeah, overall thoughts. I definitely enjoyed it. I definitely think it was one of the better episodes of the season. I did enjoy the last episode for sure. There was a lot of really good things that I liked. Um, I had some criticisms as well. But this uh it felt like things were really happening. I was like, oh, like this doesn't feel as simple as it felt before, which I thought maybe that would happen, but it took some time. And with the time jumps, there was a lot of adjusting. So, um, yeah, like here for it, here for the shenanigans that's about to go down. Oh my God. Yeah. I, um, am enthralled. Uh, like I have had more criticisms than maybe anyone on the planet about the show thus far, because uh, I was really, really worried about where they were going to take it and how it was going to be. And we had another time jump this episode and now all the kids are adults. Well, most of them are adults. And um, I was worried about everybody kind of fitting into the mold that we had already seen, but they did so beautifully. And this is the first episode for me that felt like Game of Thrones. And Mm -hmm. I was just glued to my TV from start to finish. It was absolutely incredible. Um, everything about it. It just, yeah, I, I fucking loved it. I can't wait to talk about it. I was like, Maddie, we need to get on right now. I also watched it for a second time right before we started recording. And I'm surprised Maddie can't see like the streams of tears still on my face because I cried so much during this episode. Oh yeah, God, my Wi-Fi isn't that good, so I can't see. I mean, like you look clear, but it's just not the greatest. Oh my gosh, yeah, no, I cried real, real tears throughout, and every time I thought that I was done crying, I cried more. Um, yeah. so yeah, I thought it was it was great. Um, so we'll start talking about it in kind of a chronological sense in the order of which the characters appear, I would say. And then we'll talk about them throughout and what's actually going on in the episode. Um, but I mean, the first thing that happens is we hear Rhaenys's voice in the darkness and it's daunting because it, not, not, it doesn't sound good. And then basically we hear her talking to a maester at Driftmark and he's basically saying that, um, you know, Corliss has been injured uh, in the war on the stepstones, which is forever a fucking war-ridden Ugh. area. And it's just sand. You, like, why? You can't build anything there. I know. I know. Yeah, no. Integrity is bad. Uh, yeah. So I, um, 
just also just want to quickly know on like a personal level, I started reading the book, um, fire and blood. And so, and uh, most of it, I haven't even gotten to the point yet where this story starts, but before that, just historically the stepstones given their location is right above Dorne and also kind of connects to Esso. So it's just always pirates. It's always some shit going on because it's dub spoiler alerts. Oh shit. Yeah. Everything for (laughs) everything, whatever you are wondering, we're spoiling it. And I'm talking everything. Yes. But not dragons, game of Thrones, sometimes the books, maybe LOTR. Yeah. So, but I will say that even though I am now reading the books and will be spoiled myself, I will never talk about future, uh, plots or actions or anything in the books that the show does not show. So rest assured, I will not spoil anything for you. If you are up to date on the show house of the dragon. Um, but yes, great call Maddie putting yeah. in a spoiler. We always fucking forget. So <laughs> I just assume that people are looking at this for more content. They're like, Oh my God, the episode has ended. What else can I listen to or watch? Because I feel like that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. And then we talk about it and then we're like, Hey, how great would it be if we could talk to so many people about this? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the mere reason why we started this podcast. So thank you for listening. Hey, Hey. Um, yeah, so we have Corliss who, you know, is now in almost a devastated state. He's been attacked, but he is not dead. Rest assured. Um, they, the maester says he doesn't know how much they can do to help him. So we're really like uneasy about his, his situation. And, uh, that's why Vaymond comes in and is just like, I'm going to cause all the fucking chaos right now. Yeah. Um, always was a little like mm, like a little aggressive a little yeah, very Aries very that man is an Aries for sure yeah, yeah. yeah. Also has, he just like gives me uh rough around the edges <laughs> for sure well, okay and then also one thing that I want to mention is Maddie you told me that Corliss was the second son definitely not definitely the first son of House Valaria. <laughs> I know this now. He said that he was the second son, so it makes sense. But he I, it was basically saying, I'm coming from a place of not having privilege, uh, you know, or not wanting or needing or, uh, you know, however he was saying it. But like, uh, it, you know, he had to forge his own way into Westeros, just like a second son would have within Westeros. That was where he was getting at in terms of relating to Damon. But Vaymond is actually the second. Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I said it on the podcast. I need (laughs) you and to everybody. Make our mistakes and then we learn from them and correct them always. So like they're a little weird speech with each other that I'm not used to. And I do usually have subtitles on, but I'm a slow learner. So part (laughs) Everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, just yeah. wanted to quickly throw that out there. Vaymond is the second son, so he in technically holds no rights to Driftmark, considering Lenor's sons 
uh, Luke. But he's still proud. Yeah, well, yes. And he clearly understands that the boys are not Lenore's kids and they're not, they're not. Yeah. Yes. I mean, besides the point, nonetheless, um, it doesn't help that he's going against the future heir to the throne and then the future heirs after that being her kids. So, um, so yeah, we just wanted to quickly mention the status update of Corliss and how this whole episode actually came about was because of these uh, because of what's going to happen, the petitions that they're all called to King's Landing to make. So then we have Rainier and Damon. We see them for the first time as husband and wife, which was mm-hmm. amazing. It was very, very cool. She's pregnant and in this gorgeous red gown. Oh, the little yeah. cut shoulder. Yes. Yeah. It was great. So she comes into the room and Damon um, had just come from fetching a clutch of eggs. Uh, happy as ever. The first time I've seen him smile, really. <laughs> like, oh my God, I know. <laughs> and um, so he meets her in this room that they have in um, on Dragonstone. And we're, we see Luke who or Jace, who is currently trying to learn Valerian with a Valerian teacher. And then that's when Rhaenyra finds out I really don't want to give a play-by-play of the entire thing that happens, but Rhaenyra and Damon um, meet. Damon shows her a scroll that he got from, um, shit, from Raina, I believe. So the way that I'm telling them apart um, on on like a physical level is that Bela is the one that has the curly hair and Raina is the one with the locks. And so, I, I think Bela is older. No, they're both twins. Oh, God. But Fuck. one of them oh was, but uh, Rain, Bela is the one that has the dragon. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Raina has been, no, it's Bela that's been on Driftmark as Rainice's ward. So Rainice offered to look after her and has essentially been raising her since. So this episode is six years in the future of the events yeah. of the last episode. So Rhaenyra and Damon have been married for six years. Um, yeah, Bela is with Rhaenyse on Driftmark, has been there since that time, basically because Rhaenyse has been there by herself this whole time. She has no kids, uh-huh. you know, so they, Bela has been with her. Raina has been with the family, has been with Rhaenyra and Damon. So, um, huh. Yeah, so uh, my point. Okay, so we see Rainier and Damon reunited, or not reunited, I should say, but you know, together for the first time as a married, actual married, domesticated couple, if you will. It was yeah. really nice. I like the very, very nice. Yeah, it, it felt like a family. Well, right. I think even just them on like uh, the individual connection and something we had talked about before with the new actor emma who um you know she we didn't get uh, part of me they uh didn't get as much on screen time as um our young rhaenyra actress yes and you know i think it was really nice to see this because i felt 
uh, a lot more convinced, which was really, really pleasing. Not that I didn't before. You know, we talked about it a little bit. I thought maybe it was because of the plot. You know, she's older, more dutiful, uh, all of that kind of stuff that like happens as like anyone matures. Um, so I thought like Emma and Matt were it was cool. Like it felt like the younger version. Again, I was like, I, I think on like the level of understanding one another, even yeah. in like an unspoken way. Definitely. It really, it felt like they were yeah, very comfortable with each other. Um, you know, very like okay. And really, I think that we kind of get more of that comfortability in that um just that connection with each other later on in the episode during the dinner scene but like right now of course you know we don't really get to see them as they would naturally be because Damon gets the scroll from Driftmark saying that both Rainey's and Vaymond are going to King's Landing to petition for the heir of Driftmark um in this in the case of Corliss's death so it's kind of, she's met with bad news when she sees him and then realizes, you know, if this happens and Vayman actually takes control of Driftmark and gets the, you know, sits on the, the Driftwood throne, then that means that the legitimacy of all three of her sons are in question. Mm-hmm. All three of her sons with Lainor, I should say. So, yeah. um, so they're kind of met with that, but, um, you know, we, and then we kind of go right into Alice and the small council, but honestly, I think let's talk about Rainier Damon and the Viserys reunion now, and then we'll get mm-hmm. to Alice and the small council after, because I just want to see, I, I, there's a through line here and Rainier and Damon basically at the end of this decision or this conversation, they decide they're like, okay, we have to go. We have to defend Jace's right to Driftmark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get to King's Landing and no one greets them and everything is dreary and dark and shitty. And it, it really, yeah. it really felt like Winterfell when the Boltons had hold on it versus Winterfell oh. when the Sarks had it. Like it just felt like death almost. It yeah, was just rigid. Yes. And yeah and like even if we're thinking about like king's landing where it is like on a geographical sense king's landing is in a very sunny uh like by the water place so it's not it it almost it was like this is it's it was just shitty weather it was shitty everything it was no one greeted them and it's like so they're in their carriage about and they're being announced by someone saying like this princess renner she's the heir to the fucking throne and and normally there's like a welcoming party, right? Normally people are gathered around to see the princess come yeah, in. They're, like, especially, they're yeah. like, hey, what up, people? Princess is here. Yes. Hey, everyone stop and like say hello and like do your little bow and your little yeah. bow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially because, you know, she like she's the heir, but it yeah so there was no one she walks out and you could tell it's just she's just like whoa this is weird and that is when you get the immediate idea that king's landing is not for rhaenyra king's landing doesn't have her back they're under the rule of fucking allison right now like it's just 
there's the, the the rumors about her and all the stuff like the reason why she left is very clear to I think her at this moment it's clear to me at this moment why she would because you know just the only person that comes out to to um greet her and he comes out late is sir oh Haswell, God. I believe his name is and he was one of the only people that said anything when she was pregnant mm-hmm. or when she had just had the baby and was bringing it up mm-hmm. to Allison's chamber Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just feel like because the name was mentioned twice, because he showed love to her when he, like, you can tell that he was sorry for being late for her appearance. And, you know, he really was gracious to meet her. Um, yeah. you know, I think that he will be like a, in the castle ally. I agree. Going forward. That's my theory. I've but- also seen him give some like looks, I think like Sir Kristen said something kind of foul one time and he was there and he like looked over and he was like the fuck the fuck did you just say like with his eyes yeah by the way I just wanted to ask real quick just so like the people can get a feel I've never been to the Hamptons or to uh what's the one like kind of close to where you are Newport and Island yeah is like what is King's Landing equivalent um I don't think it's Miami I don't know definitely not honestly I don't think anything in I think it would be more so well so the thing is it's what's different about this and you being in um an architecture person would understand this these are castles where we don't necessarily have castles on anymore in these places like the the way that we use geography or like understand geography in Westeros is where the castles are King's Landing is definitely more European I would say and probably like somewhere like a a old coastal town of like Portugal where the weather is pretty warm all year round Mm-hmm. and um so and you can honestly even say that because in game of thrones uh spoiler um when <laughs> winter finally comes there's a point where jamie is leaving in season eight and he sees like snowflakes and he's like oh shit like the fact that winter has come this far south is is serious because yeah. normally it's very like just i would say like sunny 75 every day is probably what king's landing is um analysis. thank you yeah so yeah well and then you know we can see like it's just it's very cobblestone and like alleyways and things like that like we see the architecture of it I would say it's definitely like old town Portugal probably I think a lot of it is filmed in Spain so okay. but I would say like southern European yeah I, would I wouldn't compare it to anything in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> so, well you know I'm just I was just putting off based what, on references uh, that we've seen yeah yeah exactly um, <laughs> um nothing like what we've seen definitely not um but yeah definitely southern Europe I would say is is the the climate and the vibe at King's Landing so um so yeah they're greeted by no one and they go in and basically you know there's a scene in between this that I said we're gonna talk about after but they basically the first place that they're brought is Viserys's chambers and this is where the tears fucking started ladies and gentlemen because first of all we're getting a look of of Viserys six years later in the progression of his disease 
And immediately when you go in, it was just, it felt so thronesy to me because you go in, like we're, we're in, uh, Rhaenyra and Damon, like their point of view going in and they like immediately Rhaenyra, you can tell just by the fate, her face that it smells horrible. And mm-hmm. it just, it felt very like, this is a hospice environment. It is not a chamber anymore. This is somewhere where somebody is going to die. And I think she immediately got that, that idea too. And they, they kind of go over to where Viserys, you know, his bed is and Damon refuses to go for a second. Like he hesitates. And Mm -hmm. that was really fucking tough because Rhaenyra it's, it's her father, but she is just being strong for it. And it's like, okay, well, I know that he's going to be in bad condition, but I just need to like muster through it and just go see him because I want to see him. Whereas Damon, this is his older brother mm-hmm. that he's always looked up to. He's been the king for decades at this point. I was back. Yeah. So, and Damon, just for the record, um, from the very beginning, because I went through after... I went through recently and rewatched all of the episodes from one to seven. Um, and even in the very beginning, the reason why I love Damon from the start was he has like a tiff with Viserys in the beginning. And he says like, you should have asked me to be your hand. I would protect you. And although he says I would protect you for yourself, you're weak. And of course throws a fucking insult in there. It's still like, and even there's a conversation that Viserys has with Corlys before they fight on the, on the stepstones and Corlys is kind of digging in at Viserys and Damon's like, I will speak of my brother as I wish you will not. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's always been an undying loyalty that Damon has had that I appreciate more than anything characteristic wise in any single person is loyalty so it's always been a huge respect factor with Damon for me. And it really shows like, I really loved that we got Damon um, vulnerability in this episode, especially mm-hmm. in terms of Viserys, because it's like, this is my older brother. And we all know it's hard to see people that you love sick. It's incredibly hard. It's, it's gut-wrenching. There are literally no words if yeah. you describe it. Um you know, and I think what a good point, like about vulnerability, especially like for someone whose olive branch is always like clouded and something kind of mean. Um, there is also vulnerability and strength, which I think we got with his character too, with in this exact situation with this, with Viserys being so sick and Mm -hmm. so close to the end. I mean, yes, he did hesitate, but he does eventually come close And, you know, we do get a little bit of that later action, which we'll talk about um, at the the hall. At the dinner, yeah. Um, Yeah, no, so it was, I mean, I think Matt Smith and Emma Darcy did phenomenal in this scene. Of course, Patty Considine, I am doing a memorial tribute to him at the end of this episode. Rest Uh assured, I will sing for him later. But the, oh my God. it was incredible. The scene he is a fantastic, fantastic actor. Yeah. But, and honestly, shout out to the special effects team. It was hard to watch. He had way too much screen time. It was disgusting. I was like, I can't 
with this rotting man. Yeah, it was. I know. I um, tweeted Game of Thrones. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I tweeted and immediately deleted it because as the reveal, I was like, oh my god, I have to pause and tweet because that's been a running thing. Is like, how much worse can he get? And it's been almost a running joke. And then I tweeted it, and then as soon as I lit like watched the scene, I was like, I have to delete this. I need to put some respect on this name because. He is doing everything he can as a dying father. And it's just, it was heartbreaking to see this exchange between all three of them, especially because, you know, you think about the last, he hasn't seen his daughter in six years. And he also, the last conversation that we had, he had with Damon, Damon basically said, I don't need any help. Fuck off and walked away. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like he and when you think about and what we'll get into more later in terms of Viserys's character at the dinner scene. But like really what we come to learn is that and what I think we've always really known, but because he was the king, it was clouded, is that he really just cares about family and mm-hmm. he really just wants his family and everyone around him to get along. And I get that. For the astrology people, my 11th house is full. I want everyone around me to get along all the time. I have a great time. I hate like controversy in groups, especially with family. Like I can't stand it. Um, so it, you know, it, that understanding that, like how nice it was and how well received Rhaenyra and Damon were, even as sickly as he was, you know, he's like, help me up. It like it was awful to watch. I and don't I really don't want to steal this from you, but I'm I'm glad the way that he received for being such a sickly man, like the when she introduces the babies and he says, Oh, Viserys, you know, a, a name fit for a king. Oh my god. I wanted to die right there. I was like, I, I will did. not. I did die right there. Okay. I died. I I'm cried. Okay. Well, and so what this show did that's very thronesy to me is that it gave me a tearjerker scene and then a little bit of buffer and then another. So I'm like, okay, I get my bearings. I wipe my eyes. I'm so going. And then another tearjerker scene. So when you know he for and it's just like god patty did so well with just the just showing how in pain he was and how like it's fucking groaning was i know but like that really really added to it and it's like and then also you're you're thinking about it like you're empathizing with or you're sympathizing for him and then you're empathizing i mean at least i've seen very sick family like that so i'm like you're empathizing with Rhaenyra and Damon is and, and Rhaenyra just trying to be good and strong for the group. Damon barely being able to look at him. And just the way that Matt Smith played that was yeah, incredible. I mean, incredible. I say, like, who is gonna beat up Damon anymore? Damon knows this. He's like the only person that could ever like control me a, a little bit was Viserys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that also there's their last exchange. Um, he says like, 
you know, Viserys is like, oh, the world, you know, isn't kind. And it's like, oh, he's not, he, the world hasn't been kind to you, brother. Like, because he sees him and he's just like limbs falling off. But no. so, yeah, so they, they have this little exchange. Damon is like, you know, okay, let's get to the business. Let's, let's fucking like, we're here for a reason. You know, they're challenging Rhaenyra's son's claim and et cetera, et cetera. And then Rhaenyra is like, this isn't the time or the place. It's fine. Yeah. We will handle it ourselves. We don't want to put any more on this man. Let yeah. me show you my babies. And then that's also when we're revealed that oh. Rhaenyra already has two sons, Aegon and Viserys. Yeah. And yeah. And then the Viserys. Oh my God. That fucking broke me. That I, broke me. I have to say it's a good trope. It's a good trope, a dying person and new life. Like it's fucked up. Honestly. Like, I think that's why I like it because it's like, it's so, it's so re- like real and relatable. I'm just like, okay. Yeah. Like this is, I don't know the way that it sparked the joy in Viserys to see like his yes. new his 11th and someone named yeah no and that's one of the greatest honors in the targaryen name is for somebody to be named after you i would imagine so it's like finally there's a viserys the second and and you know so it's like he was just overcome with joy and then also he i mean and we'll talk about this in literally two seconds but like he's been fucking sedated for god knows how long with milk of the poppies so it's like we don't even know if he knew of the boys being born or the one that was his namesake right so like so i we can imagine that this might have been the first time that he's even heard that rhaenyra has had two healthy boys one of them was which named after him which Mm -hmm. is you know so that's kind of how i read the scene was that it was like you know the and also almost like a homecoming. Like that's really what it felt like. Yes. Was Viserys was like, oh my God, my daughter is finally back. And, what you know, yeah. So, um, okay. So there are other, there's definitely other points that we're going to touch on with, in terms of these, the Rhaenyra and, and Viserys and Damon and Viserys and all three of them together and their, their journey together and, you know, their relationship. But really quickly, I want to switch to Alicent. So, um, I just want to quickly talk about Allison. So first of all, mm-hmm. Rhaenyra and Damon, as they're coming in, they're seeing that everything Targaryen has basically been taking out of the, the red keep and mm-hmm. has been replaced with the seven pointed star, which is of the seven, which is an incredibly, um, like it's an incredibly, uh, what's the word I want? I'm looking for. it's it's an important religion in Westeros it's what most people kind of abide by but there's more people that are pious than not and like or I would say there's there's some very very pious people there's some not so pious people if we think about um the Tyrells they're not as pious and but if we think about the high towers they're very pious so Mm -hmm. pious meaning just like in the religion like fucking in it so um, with Alicent being a high tower, wearing the green, really just embracing that and her own family history with Otto being back as Hand of the King, you know, she basically has replaced everything with Seven Pointed Star. And one thing that I've learned from what I've read in the book so far, and this is historically, it's not going to spoil anything, 
is just that Targaryens and the Seven have always had a tumultuous relationship because the Seven are is the religion that doesn't believe in incest and it doesn't believe in multiple wives and everything from Viserys to the very beginning since Aegon the Conqueror has been incestual or multiple wives and sometimes both. So it has always been kind of a very rocky relationship between this religion that Westeros kind of holds as its national religion and the crown, which is Targaryen. So with Allison, me reading that, it was, you know, in the books, it was almost like, okay, this is a direct, like, fuck you. Like, I'm on the side against, that's the the only side that's ever really been against the Targaryen through and through Mm -hmm. um, from the beginning of Aegon coming over here. Uh, So the seven pointed star being everywhere, including hugely around her neck was just it pisses me off that Viserys would marry into a family or like let some like someone like that marry into his family I'm like you know that they're gunning for you what the fuck like I get that they're a powerful family but like he's not even that powerful like well right you know in terms of other families that have more to offer yeah but yeah yeah and also okay maybe this is an unpopular opinion um but i do really like the seven-pointed star as just like a design i'm like a star with even more points i like stars in general like i like the jewish star i like the star that you make that you do it all in one line Mm -hmm. i like all the stars yeah like i like asterisk stars I I really like that. I don't want to see that all over from a design aspect because oh my god, it was fucking everywhere. I'm just like okay, like but I do like it. Well, no, and I think that the reason why the show because there were a lot of long shots on the stars on all of the stars that Alice had put up and on just like even just like a costume design perspective, having her necklace be so big and out and proud. I'm like, okay, well, the, sh- the show runners are telling us something like this is going to be something mm-hmm. that's an issue going forward for sure. And I mean, I think we also probably all have the Game of Thrones watchers, probably all have PTSD from the light of the seven in, I believe it was season five or six with Marjorie and Cersei and pretty much the entire Tyrell like Marjorie and all of them all of them um and Loras and Cersei and everything that they had to do with uh, King Tommen and Mm -hmm. just the fucking terror that that church put them through that entire season so it's you know it's almost like we understand the power of this church and I don't think that it'll get to that point now because there's dragons but you know so they can't you know but Cersei had to defeat them with fire too so it's like but and nonetheless like there is still the power of the church and there's still the power of the sway and there's still the power of the people and there's still the power of the voices and there's you know so I think it's just something to like be wary of and I think Allison is like clearly falling on one side of it and standing true on one side of that 
that idea that would also be, you know, it's almost always like also against Rhaenyra marrying Damon, her uncle, Rhaenyra, um, and her children that aren't from her married husband, Lenore. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's almost like Allison is, we've always said that she's holier than now. And now she's quite literally. Yeah. Like she's holier than now she's stepping on the line, but the hypocritical part of it. And something that I also just want to mention in the books is that the high towers before, way before Allison, like generations before, but just leading up to where we're at now, I've always been on the side of the power as are pretty much most people in Westeros, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they've flip-flopped for the church against church, for the church against church, whatever, they've done it all. So her being so holy, but then still marrying her son to her daughter in the name of Targaryen is hypocritical. Well, it makes sense. I mean, like Otto is trying to shift the power and the beliefs. So like getting your daughter in there and like getting a son to rule and like have these beliefs, you know, like I, I get, I see what they're trying to do here. Yeah. Honestly, I think just from a political strategy point of view, I, if I were her, I would have wed all of them to different families to succeed allies with other houses if you really thought that like you know you were in danger or anything then marrying within the family within a Targaryen family knowing that Rhaenyra ultimately is gonna I mean I guess like this was decided before they knew that Rhaenyra was gonna marry Damon but Mm -hmm. you know so I, I I just I feel like honestly it was a missed opportunity to make ally you know allyships with other marriages if she would have married all of her kids off to other families because that solidifies allyships which is exactly what Rhaenyra does um you know actually like in a little bit in the same episode talking about the same thing but well um, just one more thing on Allison and like her holier than thou and like we'll get into it a little bit later I'm sure we'll do a little analysis of like the kids but it's it's very funny that like Aegon, the the eldest son of hers, is you know his little horny sexual fuck, and we didn't we're not going to spend a lot of time here, but I I just want to mention it quickly. But like he violates a servant girl, and it's it's, it's such a like a, a paradox for her in this religion. Oh, yeah, definitely all this shit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly, I do, I'm happy that you brought it up because I, I wasn't go, or I was going to bring it up briefly. I would say just on the topic of Allison, because I want to talk about the small council too, and then her interaction with Rhaenyra and Damon both, but I'm happy that you brought this up because. Yeah. Trigger warning everyone. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, no. So, I mean, he essentially, you know, rapes this girl. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. He sexually assaults her. Um, and you know, the poor thing, uh, but my, what I was going to say is that I really love that this now finally feels like George R. R. Martin, where you're getting two sides of it. It's not just the good side and the bad side. It's, I mean, and even though we are all 
the the way that the show is run, it's really pointing us towards liking Rhaenyra and Damon and those being the fan favorites and Team Black all the way and all this stuff. And, you know, obviously I am. Uh, like I love them and I hate Allison, but that's really how the show has made her out to be. But nonetheless, it's still like even this idea that she has about herself and her own family is in 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 internal conflict, mm-hmm. and that's very R. R. Martin, where yeah. it's like it's showing where the holes are and it's showing where like the the internal drama is. So yeah. it's like she presents herself and her family as this very holy, very by the rules, very, you know, yeah. respectful, honorable, etc. But behind the scenes, you know, she's also dealing with the this bullshit from Aegon, like this yeah. horrible the reality of their right? situation. Exactly. Right. So so as much as like that scene was hard to watch and I felt horrible for a little girl mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, Allison, you're just, you know, hypocrite 101 right now, um, you know, paying her off and gaslighting her and all these things. It yeah. still was, you can see the pain in Allison's face. You can see the judgment in her face in the beginning, mm-hmm. but at, at a certain point you see that turn to, you know, sympathy for this mm-hmm. girl because she knows her son, mm-hmm. you know, and it's something that, um, w- one of the things like just the dynamic I really loved about Cersei, I loved watching Cersei in Game of Thrones because she was so dynamic and she was such a cunt, but she stuck by like she stood by her kids. But then it was funny because at the time after Joffrey died, she she openly admitted like, yeah, he was horrible. He would have yeah. been horrible to you. Like you yeah. lucked out to Marjorie saying like, thank, you know, basically like you should thank God you didn't have to marry him because he was horrible. I saw it. I would never admit it. So when we're seeing Allison in this way of like in this fit, even when she, um, appro- like when she confronts Aegon after, which by the way, guys, we don't need to see this man's ass anymore. Like we're, we don't need to see his butt. Yeah. We're done with his butt. Um, but you know, she's just like, you're no son of mine. And she was fucked up. She was scolding him and, you know, you know, like I get it that this is, you know, like weird 1800s kind of times, but I'm like, never, never as a parent, would I ever say that to any child, let alone mine. Oh my God. That pissed me the off i was like you are not a righteous bitch you should be stoned yeah yeah and that's fucked up for me to say but i'm just like Aegon. i mean you he's a horrible person too but jesus like yeah well yeah so it's like it kind of you know i don't know it but it does show like it does come from a place of we need to hold ourselves higher than that and disappointment and et cetera. Like she really is trying to be righteous and she has to deal with the, you know, her kids. And so it's like, I don't know. It's, it's almost like she's going to have a lot of battles. She currently already has a lot of battles. This is not the first girl that she paid off. Yeah. It may take a plan BT to, uh-huh. you know th- th- because of this so you can tell she's been she's, she's familiar with this rodeo so it's like B and the b stands for boba okay yeah, literally um 
So yeah. Okay. So let's get into the Rhaenyra Damon and Allison situation. Uh, also, I just wanted to quickly point out on the small council, we have a Lannister sitting who I'm like, of course, the high towers have a fucking Lannister sitting like, you know, the one Lannister that Rhaenyra fucking rejected. So I'm like, that's going to come into play eventually. Clearly he's biased. And then um, the one, hold on. I have it in my notes. I have it in my notes. Um, the, oh yeah sorry 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 beesberry beesberry is the one that everyone's yawning when he's talking in the beginning and but he's the only one that's that's almost like defending they're talking about the positions, etc and he's really the one that's just like trying to be like okay well this is he's already the heir it's already set in stone like we yeah. can't challenge that it's it's there and so everyone else around him is challenging him and I'm like Beesberry is the only either unbiased one probably not for Rhaenyra in any way she hasn't been there in six years but I'm like he's gonna be the first to die if any people on the small council die so that's fine yeah is he old he's old too right yeah he's old and he's boring yeah yeah he's definitely gonna die no. yeah so um yes let's get into the Rhaenyra Damon Allison first time seeing each other so allison receives them and she is basically i don't even know so weird they were both super standoffish like they're all very standoffish with each other and they're basically like questioning her about like why everything is different and about viserys's care and health Mm-hmm. because of the milk of the poppy yeah which i understand i mean the man is fucked up he's probably in a lot of pain i probably would have been feeding him like lsd as well whatever fucking yeah. drugs we got around i mean yeah so i mean i loved that the first thing that was said was allison was like she was just like oh you know rhaenyra sorry i'm late to greet you whatever and rhaenyra like just i loved the that it wasn't so passive aggressive and held down their frustrations with one another this felt more thronesy to me as well this this interaction because rhaenyra was like oh yeah it's fine damon and i wouldn't know what it's like to rule and like just shots fired immediately and i was like yes rhaenyra like you yeah um yeah so it's like and then Damon specifically Damon oh my god I fell more in love with him in this scene and guys I know he's not a good guy I know but I love him I fucking love this man I really like that he stayed seated but still was the most demanding men stand up and like make a woman feel small you know I don't fuck like that i'm like if you guys are arguing and you're a man you need to sit down yeah you need to sit down. yeah and even then it's just like she wasn't worth standing for you know? know and so and it was just like it was almost like uh like i don't know i just and i also love that he is so um like he's it seems like even more annoyed annoyed with her piety and with her holiness <laughs> than Rhaenyra even is like he's just constant rolling his eyes and scoffing and just like but like his comebacks are always so good and it's like yeah Allison you're not just against Rhaenyra right now you know like 
she didn't have to deal with that when she was with Lenor because Lenor was just such an anti uh, confrontation kind of person. He was never really in the shits. He was there for Rainier to support her on, on the back end, but like really on the front end, he was not the person that was going to go head to head with anybody. And Damon is like, nope, I'm going to sit right beside you and mm-hmm. take this bitch on with you. Mm-hmm. And so I loved seeing that because that was really the this the scene that we see them actually dealing with the first confrontation of the episode together and it was very nice but yeah I loved the the comments being thrown back and forth that were aggressive they weren't passive aggressive they were fucking aggressive yeah I'm here for that like I'm yeah. so here for it it was um, super facing it was very direct which is nice because I'm like, you guys aren't kids anymore. Like you're fucking adults. Just like say it. That's cool. Like just put it out there. Even like, I feel like just a good callback to Game of Thrones is just like how direct Cersei was. Like, yeah, yeah she was it's deceitful, but like she also was like, I'm a bitch and everyone knows it. You yeah. know? Yeah. No. And I loved that because it's like really, you know, you like you can get in trouble for what you're what you say but like if you say it in a if you say the insults in a smart way you can't like it's it that's all it is is an insult yeah literally so like that's what this felt like I was like yeah okay they're both confident in their stances and able to just speak freely finally versus like the last episode we saw a lot of Rhaenyra holding back, a lot of Rhaenyra feeling vulnerable and oscillated and, or is that the word? Isolated, oscillated, oscill, whatever. Um, but nonetheless, we saw a lot of Rhaenyra doing that. So it's really nice to see her coming into her own and just speaking freely. Yeah. You know, like even when Allison first comes into the room, Rhaenyra doesn't speak. She just is like, she just lets Allison speak and she just grills her. And yeah, then um the scar, you know, from yeah. when she comes, it was very like almost fear-based. Which... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and she she then holds that arm over her belly. And we know that mm-hmm. Rhaenyra is pregnant right now. So um, but more importantly, they talk about Viserys and the health of him. And of course, they're both kind of accusing Allison and Otto of just running shit while they're sedating the King, um, in his poor health. And, you know, yeah, he probably does need milk of the bottle. I mean, clearly the man's in pain, but even he himself says it later on, like that he doesn't want it. He doesn't want clouded judgment. So I think that, you know, obviously that was on purpose. We see there, I believe three times, maybe four throughout the episode where Allison and Otto both say, get him milk of the poppy. I know. And so it's like, they're, they're basically just keeping him bedridden and unable to talk. And, and even Damon was like, you know, when Allison says like, Oh, we take orders from the King and Damon's like, by what? Like, like, yeah. you know, shrugs and murmurs, like yeah. I, that's not exactly yeah. what he says, but you know, it, it's like the very good point. And I love that because it really, it feels realistic. It feels like, you know, you're coming to see a sick family member for the first time in a long time. And you're questioning the care of them as you would as the kin, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, and as the direct kin, she's the fucking wife and her hand, like the hand of the king is her father. They're not related. They're not Targaryens. They're not right. at all in this family. They could give a fuck what happens to Viserys. Right. right? So it's like, you know, the one true person that comes in that actually cares about him came in and it changed everything. And like, thank God it did happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So is there anything else you wanted to say about this exchange? Uh, I just will say about Viserys and the milk of the poppy since it is October and it's spoopy season and we already talked about the groans, but I just want to give you one good groan. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> dude, he groaned so much on that table. And oh my it- God. It was, I'm sorry to laugh about it now. I'm so sorry. I should not be joking about this, but it was fucking awful. It was so awful. I, that shit really fucked me up. I was like, I I did also cry quite a bit in this episode. I was just like, I stop this right now. I know Viserys is a little pushover, but he's a good man. He is a good man. He's a good man. Um, yeah, it was, it was very tough to see the entire thing is tough to see furthermore, everything following this is tougher to see. Um, so I did just want to quickly touch on the boys in the training yard before we get to the throne scene, but, um, so Luke and Jace are both excited. You can see that Jace is just ignorantly blissful because they've lived like their their last six formative years have been on dragonstone where their mother is the heir and their stepfather is the strongest biggest dick dragon in the fucking land and so it's like they lived a life of acceptance and luxury and they regardless of their father's lineage and heritage they're still targaryen and you know when rhaenyra says that to jace in the beginning like it doesn't matter you're a targaryen they're always accepted on Dragonstone and that's where they've been. So they, I think have had this kind of like, like privileged life upbringing there where they're just accepted and loved by everyone that is there. And then they come to King's Landing where they're no longer accepted. Everyone's giving them bad looks, Mm -hmm. everyone like, and obviously under the influence of Allison and Otto, everyone in King's Landing would think that and in the Red Keep would think that. So that makes sense. But they come out to the training yard and they're just happy and chipper. And Jace is actually the one that's skeptical and says, everyone's looking at us. And no, no, Luke is the one, Luke is the younger one who's like, everyone's looking at us. And Jace is like, who gives a shit? But then they see the fight between, you know, the little sparring between Kristen and Eamon, excuse me. And first of all, I just want to say I'm very happy happy this is the only time that we see Kristen in this episode i'm like i'm fucking yeah, done fuck with you, off Kristen. I'm done with you bro yeah yeah we're then, gonna die yeah so but then we do see this very good sparring match between them i loved it it, it was, was it was awesome and then we're it was well lit. yeah it was very well lit i'm just like yes Gina, this episode was great it was so well lit. i loved it wonderful yes um and so we see this, but then it's the first time that we see Amond, the sexy evil bitch that he is. Okay, why do Targaryens look like the 
Oh my god, I don't know. What are they? The Voltari from Twilight? The Volcari? What are they? They're, they're like the council. I don't know. I know they all have dark hair, but like it's they Targaryens just give me that vibe for all you little Twilight lovers, which is everybody. <laughs> um, you know what I'm talking about. They remind me of that. I like in that look, it was just like I run shit here. Well, yes, it's also very sultry and pale. Very pale, very sultry. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he, but then there's this one bit where he, um, what they call is kill, but it's not really kill, but he would have, if they were in battle, he would have killed Kristen. Has the knife to his throat, officially wins the sparring session. Everybody's cheering. And then he says, you know, um, how are you doing, nephews? And before he even... He starts talking and then does this like mid-sentence eye contact. And it was so yeah. intimidating and so sexy. And I'm like, oh my God, Eamon, you are going to be fucking trouble. You are yeah. going to be such trouble. Yeah. It's one eye. How can you, you make know. such intimidating, sexy eye contact with one fucking eye? Like... Yeah. Yeah, cue Taylor Swift right now on the fucking song, Trouble. Uh, yeah. And uh, let's, yeah, yeah, no, this man is hot. This man is yeah, pretty hot. He's going to be a fucking issue, that man. Definitely going to be an issue. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. And then clearly, Jason and Luke are like, oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, we forgot fuck. the thing was here. Yeah. Um, and then that, that, well, I will say that actually, you know, that whole scene was directed beautifully. I loved it. It was also a long scene, um, starting with Jace and Luke and then going into the sparring session with Kristen and Amond, and then back to Jace and Luke, but then immediately to the gates that are opening for Vaymond and the coming in for mm -hmm. the petitions and, the whole thing was absolutely stunning and it, the music was great. And I'm like, Rami and Jwadi, thank you for finally showing your fucking face because I have not heard music like this in any of the other episodes. There have been some score, like scored songs that like I've liked, but like nothing to this magnitude. And I'm like, yes, now we're really getting into it. Now we're setting the precedent of what the rest of the series is going to look like based on this scene alone. I felt that. So, you know, just the presence and the way that the cinematography was done, everything about it was, it was staged perfectly. It was choreographed perfectly. Everything about it, the scene really, really set the stage. Um, the dialogue previously in the episode was setting the stage for this. And then this was like, I felt like the big, like, boom. And then we, um, you know, there might be like something in and out, but I want to immediately go into the throne room scene. Yes. Yeah. So this is where Rainey's and we do have a conversation between Rainier and Rainey's, but we'll talk about that a little bit as we go through this specific throne scene. Mm -hmm. But we have Rainey's that's showing up basically to petition for herself to have the claim on Driftmark. We have Vaymond, who is Corliss's younger brother, showing up to petition for his his claim. And then we have Rhaenyra showing up um to petition for luke and mm -hmm. alongside luke is jace and damon 
there to support that claim but so who's there to support um reynas bela right the Mm -hmm. one that she's been taking care of yes yeah um is it bela oh god i never i think so i think oh fuck it's it's oh no it's bela it's bela reyna has the locks right yes yeah so it was yeah it's bela um so so we're immediately opened by Otto on the throne of course the slug slide piece of shit that he is and you know he's basically just explaining the reason for the court uh and petition hearing and and then they ask Veyman to start Veyman's mm-hmm. just basically saying Valerian this Valerian that the blood of the Valerian et cetera et cetera and then he's done. And then they ask Rhaenyra to come up and she starts talking. But before she really can even get a sentence out, the door is open. And lo and behold, it's Viserys. And I do just want to say, actually, before we get into this, because it's another kind of really important scene that we missed, but it was it was quick. So I didn't mention it. But Rhaenyra, the night before, goes to Viserys's bed and is asking him about the prophecy of a song of ice and fire and is basically saying, if you're the person that you want, you know, that you want in charge of this prophecy and that will help, you know, um, fulfill this prophecy, then I need your support. And she is incredibly upset. And Viserys is hardly answering her back because he's of course in an insurmountable amount of pain So she doesn't really find any solace in that conversation, but he still hears her when she's like on the milk of the poppy. So, yeah. So, but he hears her and he hears her cry. (laughs) And we see that in, in this scene where she's pleading for her son to continue to be the heir of Driftmark, not only because they care about that specific seat. I don't think they really do at all. It's more so that if he is taken off of that seat, then that puts into question the, the lineage, the uh, paternal lineage of her other two sons, Jace and Joffrey. So Uh it's, it's, it's of immense value that she keeps what she, what they're supposed to be given. Otherwise, if it's proven in court once that they're bastards, then she, her, her claim to the throne is then compromised entirely. Right. So, um, so she, she goes up and she's talking and the doors open and it's Viserys. And we, at that point, at this point have not seen him standing. Right. He even could. And he's just, quasimodoed over just like wobbling through and honestly i say that like not even as a joke because it was fucking gut-wrenching it was one of the most powerful scenes i've seen in tv in my entire life it Mm. was incredible that that just well and i think especially like as a daughter of a dad that i'm very close with it him showing up for her was it I just it was it, it was just amazing and it was something that she had been yearning for this entire time so like it really sealed the deal on why we got the episodes and the content that we did before this 
to really like show what, you know, she was yearning for this the entire time, the entire time. And she really only ever got solace in that when she was named heir. But outside of that, it was still, he was focused on Allison and the other kids and everything. And, and this was the, the, the one time that he really fucking came through for her. And, and as hard as it was for him to do that, you know, he is literally struggling and like just down the steps into the corridor, like down the, the alley towards the throne and steps. (laughs) Yes. And then, but then there's one point where he stops and he looks over at her and she, of course, no one is expecting it. Right. And I fucking sobbed. I literally was inconsolable watching this scene. I was like, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. I can hear yeah. now. I actually am hearing a little bit. <laughs> I also want to just say too, like, uh, I feel like there's been a few moments and I didn't call them out in previous pods because I didn't know if it was like a theme that I was catching on to, but I think it is. There's been a lot of walks in this House of Dragon series that really reminds me of like the shame walk, you know, or like not reminds me exactly of the situation, but like there's been like long walk progressions. Yeah. You know, that are like it's it's just very reminiscent of that. And well, yeah, no, you're totally right. I think, yeah, no, and I think that that might have been another reason why this felt like a very thrones scene, because really those walk like from point a to point b destination is is tension building like a motherfucker and really like one of the things that game of thrones did really well with like their staging choreography what and just directing was using those from point a to point b walk destinations as the tension build right like using that within the scene to like really build on like you're just like just nothing but breathing in the entire time because and you're just yes exactly yeah yeah yeah. so it like it's just like I didn't breathe the entire time until he finally sat down I did not breathe because Mm -hmm. and I was just sobbing and choking because I wasn't breathing because the tension in that room in that moment how much that actually mattered and how much that actually changes everything going forward because we were fully prepared for Otto and Allison to like denounce Jace entirely from Driftmark and renounce uh Vaymond as the heir to Driftmark and then that would just domino effect into everything against Rhaenyra right so when Viserys walks in at the perfect moment and then makes his wobbly way down. It was like, it was a cinematic fucking masterpiece. I don't know if it's like that in the book. I like, I hope that it is because I would love to read it, but it like, regardless if that's something that they just added in, I'm like, that was so smart. It was so fucking smart. Gita Patel again, fucking mastermind this woman is I do really like the father coming through for his daughter like that was the best part of all of it you know like yes this this that but 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 that 
particular part about all of it is the most meaningful and it was beautiful and again like Viserys stand all the way he might be avoidant he might not want confrontation this man wants people to get along he wants to have a party and he wants everyone to be happy and he, he really loves he's not only a good king and I wouldn't say a great king he's a good king Mm-hmm. But he's a good father too and yeah. and I, I love that like he's a real person and not just the king well yeah no and that's another thing that I loved is that like the complexity of his character like he deals with I mean maybe at a like a larger capacity but like a lot of stuff that we all deal with like when you're dealing with you know confrontation on like an internal level or a familial level but um yeah so he I would say like this I cheered as soon as I saw him and then cried as he walked and then sobbed as he stopped and looked at Rhaenyra um and it was just a long look like I'm here for you baby girl and it was like oh my fucking god stop it right now and then he's trying to get up the stairs to the throne and there's a king's guard that tries to help him and he says no like I don't need it and then he's getting up and he's struggling. He drops his crown and that I'll say this after, but um, he, he drops his crown and then Damon comes up on his other side and he says, no, I said, I didn't need it. And then looks up and sees that it's Damon and lets him help him. And then sobbed more because Aww. God, it's just so, and just quickly want to say before I get real emotional about it is that that was not supposed to happen the crown was not supposed to fall and it was something that the the, it happened while they were shooting and Gita just let them do it she was just like nope let and then Matt Smith improvised picking it up and putting it on his head as soon as he sat and they Mm -hmm. kept it and it was beautiful and it was just I was like, this is what I've wanted to see. And what I loved about Damon as a character from, and I already mentioned this, but what I loved about him from the very beginning is that the man is fucking loyal and he loves his family. Yeah. Loves his brother. And so just this moment, and I think that Viserys always knew that. And he, Damon is obviously, he's an anarchist and he's a rebel and he will, has, was always just, you know, an issue for the crown. He was always, uh, you know, like just the, the problem child that like needed to be dealt with or, you know, and Viserys ignored it for so long. And then at a certain point he had to deal with it and he had to put his foot down, especially when it came to his daughter, Rhaenyra, but you know, he always loved him and he always trusted him. And I, that, that, that trust and love show, like, it just really, really showed through throughout this, especially in the scene. And, and even in the scene where they meet Viserys at his bed, it was just like, you can't deny that. And you can't, you know, and it, it just, it really just firmly put Rhaenyra and Damon on the King's side and and also Viserys on their side and that was just really really nice to see and that's like all I'll say about just the actual walk-in we'll talk about the events after but Maddie do you have anything else that you want to add to the walk-in scene with Rhaenyra and Damon um I think I think we covered pretty much everything I mean especially with 
you know, like that, just like that callback to Thrones, like that's that for me was like the best part of that. I was like, oh, this is like giving me some familiar vibes. And I appreciate a poetic reference, yeah, a no, callback, like especially. I'm like, Thrones was great. Please repeat it with a different story. Like, I love it. I'm just like, I'm yeah. not sure. I don't want newness. I want the same, but with, you know, with a different storyline. But um, okay, so we get Viserys finally on the throne, and then he basically is just like, you know, I'm confused why there's even petitions. Uh, you know, I want to know what Orlis sick and tired, you fucks. Like, like yeah. why why am I here out of bed struggling to get into this throne? But yeah, exactly. Why am I here defending my daughter again? Mm-hmm. Um so then he basically is like, you know, pretty much all of this is up to what Corliss wants. Rainice, I call you in. What does Corliss oh, I just want to interject and say I really love that because I'm like, Viserys, like, yes, you're the king and like, it's still a patriarchal society, but you obviously respect women. And, and like the, the only person that can speak on Corliss is his wife. Yeah. And oh God, that made me so fucking happy. It was just the respect Viserys again this man was the best yeah Viserys was great he was he was actually pretty fucking wonderful um he just wasn't necessarily wonderful for the times and he should have never married Alison but besides the point um so yeah he calls on Rhaenys and we skipped over this but basically Rhaenyra and Rhaenys talked in by the godswood earlier in this episode and Rhaenyra was like, well, Rhaenys, I know that you came specifically to advocate for your own position on the Driftwood throne and, um, and basically pleaded with her, like, um, you know, we can be allies and I'll marry my two sons to your two granddaughters. And so she offers this and Rhaenys is like, well, the Allisons or the, the Allisons, the Hightowers are about to put their foot down on you and I'd rather stand alone. So it, Rhaenys was fully prepared to do that and, and like speak her own case to wanting the air to drift mark. Um, but then when Viserys walked in, it changed the entire trajectory of that. And Rhaenys then realized He's here to advocate for his daughter and I have to pick the winning side and the winning side is going to be Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. And um, so then she comes up when called upon and says, mm-hmm. uh, Corliss has always wanted it to go to Jace. He's the son of my son, Lenor, and Rhaenyra has also uh, offered to marry her sons to my granddaughters and I accept and so that solidifies and that's super fucking that's hella important with the story yeah, because now also- they solidified the drift mark they've solidified yeah, who's on whose side yes they solidified the allyship with the the valarians once and for all this will be a thing and then again they're just betrothed they're not wed yet but um, you know, and when we think about the Valarians, then what happens next is even more solidifying when, you know, so basically what happens is, uh, the King then says, okay, this is lovely. I love this idea of marriage. 
we will- love house a party yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly let's let's you know but also like let's keep it in the family like he's just like very like scorpio 11th house about it like uh no new friends but like let's populate amongst ourselves that's great yeah yeah um, <laughs> But so that happens and that's huge news. And of course it's news to Rhaenyra too. And she's happy about it because it's Valerians and Targaryens been forever allies and now they're just keeping it that way. And that is very nice. Um, But then uh, Vaymond steps back up and basically says that the boys are bastards Yep. And well, he shouts, the boys he are bastards. Fucking scrumped that shit. Yeah, he did. And and then he says, and their mother is a whore. And I first want to I, I first want to talk about Viserys's response because I loved it more than anything. This crippled, one-armed, <laughs> barely walk, half face, half an ass old man stands up. And yeah. pulls that dagger out. Yeah. I will have your tongue for that. Mm-hmm. And then Damon, of course, the younger, swifter brother, husband of the the victim in this, head right off. Yeah, <laughs> right. off. And what's even hotter is Damon beckoned him first. He, under his breath, before he shouted bastards, he was like, say it. Hmm. say it and find out say it and find out oh god that was that was sexy like get over here protect protect me damon 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 Damon. yeah yeah Yeah, it was great we love to see it so um that was the end of (laughs) amen that was the end of any dispute about who the fuck is getting driftmark right then and there yeah. <laughs> like, and i also just want to point out how nice it is like it really sucks that um rhaenyra and sir Lanor couldn't like accomplish the deed even though they tried i know um which i'm like also did you not think to like have him come in your hands and like just you know like do you girl like well, I mean, like, honestly, I'm just like, is it not, is it so hard to like, I would have, because there was a point like where Marjorie in Game of Thrones, when she was with Renly Baratheon, who was gay and who was fucking her brother, Soloris, um, you know, th- I think there were points where like she, well, at least I think she said that she tried to just like come in right at the end of it like right at the end of their thing and just be like, right, just stick it in real quick. Like, just, there must be ways. Um, I I also don't know how easy, like it is to be artificially inseminated. Uh, So like, don't, you know, that's not medical accurate at all. I was thinking that to myself recently, regardless. My okay sorry no it's okay uh the I'm thinking that there are definitely ways where like if a man wants to lay with a man that the woman can just kind of come in peak time and just be like all right let me just sit on it real quick (laughs) like you know that um you would think it's that easy I have no idea uh but I know that like in terms of like artificial insemination like semen has to be constantly at a specific temperature to be alive well right right. it's not something that you can just like 
carry over as soon as it hits room temperature it's dead you know so i think like it's it's complicated and then again like i I, we don't really know much of this but i will say interesting um Magor the Bagor Magor the Cruel, which was one of the Targaryens that ruled before Jaehaerys, is he was known to have five wives, and he was probably like dead down there because there was one wife that he had that was pregnant that um it was like then proven that the the hand of the king had hired a bunch of like known fertile men to come and try to impregnate her because he wanted an heir and he never got an heir so like there's also that bit of it but like and I think that that kind of reigns in this too where Rhaenyra was like well we were never like successful in our stuff so So better to have some kids than none at all right 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 and so my point being is like they kind of missed an opportunity to try a little bit harder there but I (laughs) maybe that's severe and cruel I don't know I think it's really nice that Rhaenyra offered to marry her kids to true Valerians just like bring it back and be like okay like this will get back to Valerian blood and like have two heirs yeah yeah, definitely. I loved that too. I also um, just want to point out another thing that I learned from the book is that um, Rhaenyse herself is part Valerian. She's Valerian. Yeah. Her grandmother was Valerian completely. So um, oh, yeah, yeah. So she like, it, it honestly, like I'm re- I'm, I just got in the books where the point where Corliss was born. So I'm, I now know like they're like, paternal you know history and everything and um and where her mother was born so the fun fact like he's a whole generation older than her so that's fun but um Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know so she like it honestly it actually makes a lot of sense with the paternal she's not just Targaryen she's also Valerian which Uh like she kind of has a stake in this too where you know she wants the kids to be pure and like yeah, that, that makes sense because she is of both bloodlines one more so than the other but nonetheless both um so yeah um okay so that concludes pretty much the throne room at a certain point Viserys you know he starts groaning and and Allison you know is like runs up to him fetch the baser is gonna milk the poppy and then that's when he says I don't want milk with the poppy. I need to be clear-headed to, to, um, in other words, fix. Right. I actually trend. think it's right in the next scene, right after when he's like in there with Otto. Cause it doesn't, he say that to Otto. He's like, no, thanks. Like set up a dinner. That was before. Oh, okay. That was, the, that was right before. So there's, there's a scene right before that. We also skipped over that where, you know, they're cleaning his wounds and Otto is there and he says, you know, he's sitting up and he's groaning again. Otto asks, like says, okay, fetch and milk the poppy. He, he basically asks Otto, like, I want a dinner tonight with my family. Everyone's here for the first time in years. And wait, scene made me laugh because he's like, Otto, I want dinner. (laughs) And Otto's like, it's the morning. And he's like, tonight <laughs> just like bro no shit dude like, like catch my drift guy 
Yeah. Yeah. Room. Oh my God. That was so funny. Yeah. Yeah. So that was before this. And then we see Viserys deny milk of the poppy for the first time. Mm-hmm. And with no reason, just says, no, I don't want it. And then ends up in the throne room, you know, and then kind of collapses on the throne. Allison says, fetch him milk of the poppy. He says, no, um, like I need to be clear headed. I need to write all the wrongdoings. Basically, yeah. in other words, I'm not sure exactly what he says, but that's basically what he's saying is that he's like, I see everything that's fucked now. Like I'm here, I'm present, haven't been here for a while. Everything's fucked under you and Otto. I need to be here to correct it. Um, is essentially what he says to her. Then we pretty much go right into the the dinner. Uh, there's, there's a bit where Rainice is, um, watching the, the, you know, uh, Vayman's body being, um, cleaned and the autopsy essentially Mm -hmm. they're cutting him. I don't know why they would do an autopsy, but it's the silent sisters, which is something that's mentioned in the books, which is really cool. And I don't know how important they're, they actually are to any of the story, but it's basically like women that have their tongues taken out that are then basically made morticians. Um, so that it was, no, but it was really interesting because I read it in, in the very beginning of the book. And then they finally mentioned it in this one. I was like, Oh shit. I know that. I know that. I know who that is. Autopsies. They can't really tell their true death without like their fucking tongues. Yeah. It's more of like they're banished to this underground chamber to work under the macers to clean the bodies and, you know, preserve what they can, et cetera. Um, but that it was more so really just showing that radius is just in in like an incredibly melancholic state like she's just lost everything and what we're hoping for is that Corliss is actually alive and comes back to her because I feel like that I mean she lost well even if he is he's probably a fucking vegetable or something that's what I'm yeah so she lost both of her kids and now has news finally six years later that her husband is probably gonna die and then she has her granddaughters, one of which is actually with her, one of which has been on Dragonstone this entire time. So it's like, she's like, what the fuck do I have to live for anymore? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. then we get into the dinner. The dinner. The dinner. Um, this was also an incredible, incredible scene. Yeah, they always do good dinners and weddings and parties. Yeah, no, but they haven't always in this specific series, in my opinion. This was the first really... Okay, so I will say this is the first episode that I've watched of House of the Dragon that I haven't had... I haven't had any complaints about it. Normally, I have like three to ten complaints Yeah, And so this was like, just even topping off the throne scene with this ensemble scene of everyone sitting around a table. And I really love that again, 11th house full. This is exactly what Viserys wanted. This is exactly what I wanted. And now I'm sad that if, you know, he's gone, we're not going to get this anymore. (laughs) 
He's the glue, baby. I know. (laughs) I know. It sucks. Oh, God. Okay. So. So let's let's get into this fucking din din. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have the um we have this everyone sitting, everyone's kind of awkward, and then we have Viserys being brought up and sat at his seat, which I'm like incredible. Incredible. <laughs> just that the just the, the there's no technology at stake here. It's just pure. Your brute force, brute yeah. force to get this man up here. <laughs> I pick him up and I put them down. <laughs> Very much. So I'm just like, okay, that makes sense because we don't have elevators, you know, we don't wheelchairs. Right. We like, don't have wheelchairs for yeah. crying out loud. Yeah, wheelchairs were invented by fucking Tyrion. No, um, so we have him come in, and Allison makes the first toast, and it's actually the one thing that I want to say about the toast is that she says um you know and to va- like she's toasting and then she says to to Vaymon Valarian may the gods rest his soul whatever and Damon is just like this fucking kind like are you kidding me and mm-hmm. just like this pious dumb bitch and but it's so funny because he just is just so outwardly scoffing her like you are not my queen you were the queen regent or not the queen. I don't actually know what technically she is called because there's different queens. Um, but I'm pretty sure it would be the queen regent and not the queen dowry. The queen dowry is of, um, but the queen regent, I believe is the mother. So like, if anyone knows, please let me know what the difference is because I've, um, I haven't ever known a queen ruling with a sick husband. I think this is like the first time in Targaryen history that that's happening. Um, So, but Alison Sos is just so fucking pious and holy and, and, you know, just like Alison, you know, just very much so. But then we get into Viserys' toast where he starts talking and he says, you know, I am equally as happy to see all of you here as I am in sorrow yeah. and takes off his mask. Oh, uh, and okay. Is, uh, so, okay. It, this is probably the only joke that I have in my notes. Oh God, no, I don't want to joke right now. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but this man is giving, I can't, I think it's like one of the last movies but pirates of the caribbean the you know the ones that are on the crew for like a hundred years that is what that reminded me of and i was so sad i was like oh no you're gonna be with fucking what's his name something locker jones oh everyone i'm so sorry i just can't think on the spot today but it's the guy that is from pirate of the Caribbean. like yeah I know I mean honestly you say it now and I I see it I'm like I wonder if the special effects team if there's anybody that's from that movie oh my Uh, god interesting yeah yeah. so he starts making his toast he takes off his mask we see the decrepit face that he is dealt with and it's jarring and it's something that you know was kind of teased from the very beginning because his whole face has been wrapped or mm-hmm. under a gold mask 
this entire time. So now we're finally seeing what he didn't want us to see. And then he basically says, and this is heart-wrenching, but he says, I am not here as your king. I'm here as your father and your, mm-hmm. your, you know, your husband and your wow. brother and your grandsire. And this is how I want you to see me, not as a king, but as a family member. And I want everyone to be together as a family. And it was such a moving monologue from him. It was the second monologue in this episode. And I'm so happy they gave him so many lines in yeah. because he deserved it. And it was such a good farewell, as we know. And um, so I'm just, I'm, I'm absolutely enthralled with his performance. He did everything right. He was so moving this entire time. And just, and like, and I will reiterate that everything that we've seen thus far, specifically from, from Viserys has been perfectly timed. And I feel like a lot of the history in the episodes that we've seen thus far have been more so for him and his progression in this disease and his, his progression in the family dynamics and how he feels about it. I, I feel like it wasn't necessarily for Rainier and Allison. It wasn't for Damon. It wasn't for anything. It felt so much like this is for Viserys and we need to see Viserys as he was once and now as he is, as he leaves us. Mm-hmm. And that was really beautiful. And I feel like I felt that very much in the moment. And I was incredibly emotional because I'm like, holy shit, I've talked so much shit about this man. He's such a good guy. And um yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I said this is my only win though because I was really standing Allison, but this one I'm gonna take to the fucking grave. Yeah. This, you're my best friend, okay? Oh my god, yeah. So he makes this incredibly touching toast, and it really, really does, I think, resonate with everybody. And then of course he puts his face back on mask back on, thank god. Um, and then yeah, the food would have fell out of his mouth. I know. So then we get, then we get, I'll just talk about the toast really quick and then we'll talk about all the dynamics. Then we get, or I guess we can talk about them as they go, because after this, it really is amongst the table that we're getting a lot of the dynamics, but then we get like a Jace and, um, Aegon moment where um you know in this in the the toast that Viserys says he he congratulates Jason Luke on uh betrothing mm-hmm. uh Bela and Reyna right so so and and I just want to mention also just quickly back to the throne room when that is mentioned everyone smiles all the betrothed smile and I'm very happy about that because it's just, it seems like such a happy situation. And I'm like, oh, I love this. I love that. I, I was very happy about that too. I was like, oh, thank God. Like they know each other. Like they have a little bit of like kinship. Yeah, there's camaraderie. Yeah. Unlike not like they, you're marrying Joffrey from Thrones, you know? Yeah, no. Or you're marrying Aegon, which apparently is horrible too. Um, Aegon yeah. and, and, uh, uh god why did i just forget her name helena jesus christ why do i always want to straight up sister though 
What? Isn't that like his first sister though? Yeah, no, that's his sister. Yeah, but they're married. I know. I hate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but he was in the last episode we see is very unhappy that he has to marry this girl. So, like, it's just it's kind of total. This side, the the Rhaenyra side of the family is totally different and way happier than the Allison side of the family. Yeah. We see that from all of their demeanors. Um, so Jason Aegon, what happens is Aegon, as soon as the toast is done, turns over and, and Jace is on the right to him. And um Lena, I believe, is on the hold on, not Lena. Bela. Bela is on the right side of him. And uh he he's just basically talking shit, like, oh, now you finally get to get your dick wet, whatever. And Jason's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And he, but he says, well, I'm going back to my actual notes now. Sorry, guys. I write things down. Um, he says, you can move the gesture as you wish, but hold your tongue before my be throat. My be throat. And I'm like, you sexy little bitch. You sexy little minx, Jace. You, you. I know. I loved it. I loved it. I was so here for it. I'm like, yes, you, you are the boy that your mother raised you to be. And I'm here for it. And you're also the boy that your stepdaddy raised you to be. Because even though Damon is clearly an insult and fucking a creature of the night, it's still like, I had no doubt ever that him raising boys would make them have the utmost respect for women even if he doesn't himself and like and that's fine um but it's just yeah so that that like that whole kind of altercation is what spun everything out of whack with that and then fucking kids yeah so um then we also did a toast right that was kind of I don't know, like it was weird to me, Allison and Rainier's toast, but they Rainier made a toast to Allison's family as well. And it was it was kind of nice. Well, yeah. So Rhaenyra, I think this actually might have happened right after Viserys's toast, but um I'm I'm I might have them chronologically not in order. Rhaenyra, I think, was very moved by Viserys's toast and immediately stood up and said you know, basically like Allison, you like, I love my father and, but you have been the one that's been here loyally and honestly and caringly. And I thank you for that. And Allison was moved by it. You know, she was tears by it. Yes. And, and then Allison then got up and made a toast back to Rhaenyra and said, you know, I wish good fortune, good health on your family. You're going to make a great queen. Oh, we kind of got to um, almost a resolution point with them where they, and she, and Allison does says, you know, we're both mothers and we're both more alike than we allow ourselves to think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that I think was a big kind of common ground. And then I think actually the Jason Helena thing and Jason, uh, you know, I think that happened after because at this point, actually, once those two toasts are made, food syrups being served, and Viserys 
it, it, the, he says, well, okay. So like, and that's, what's difficult. It's like all the toasts are kind of being made at different times. Helena actually makes a toast. And then as soon as she's done, that's when Becerra says, cue the music, like put on the music and then the music starts. And then I'm just like, yeah, this is another Ramin Juwadi, like just masterpiece of fun music. Jace asks Helena to dance. They're up dancing and and everybody is just eating and smiling and laughing. And even Otto is being like happy. And we never saw that. Yeah. And the the music is great and the atmosphere is great. And then Viserys is just, we're kind of like honed in on him and he's looking around at the table and at the kids dancing and everything that's happening. And, and I just like another time that I sobbed because I was like, he probably now feels so at peace and it feels like he's like he's wanted to die for probably a long time yes yes and now he finally can yeah yeah it's definitely that kind of vibe like when you see your love for the final time and you can like let go and like have peace or like you stay I don't know you hold out to see your your daughter that's that's very common like it definitely occurs in real life so I got the same feeling. I was like, oh, like this man got to see his loved ones together. And I think like, that's why he said even earlier, like, oh, I'm filled with joy and sorrow. Like, I felt like he was saying that not only because of the petitions, but like, this is probably the last time I will see you all together again like this. Well, that's what he said. He was like, I'm a dying, like, I'm not going to live forever. Mm-hmm. You know, so his whole speech, that mm-hmm. whole thing was really just a plea like please for me yeah just be okay you know this is all I'm asking of you yeah Uh, and and then they were and for just a full like two minutes of just happiness it was wonderful and then he I think that was when he we saw just this this camera work and everything that really brought us into him that was look, looking at everything around him and seeing like how content he was and also how ready he was to just go. And that's when he was brought out. And then that's when the shit really started. But, um, you know, it, like it, it was very emotional. I like incredibly emotional um, on all fronts, on Rainier's front, on Viserys, on Allison, even on the kids and just like their shared history. Like mm-hmm. it, it felt very well done, very well choreographed, very well written. The whole thing was incredible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, we, we kind of end it. There were like some other toasts in and out. There was a point where Jace, um, you know, snapped at Aegon and then. Well, I think it was actually Aemon. Aegon kind of started it because he toasted. Well, yeah, so he. Point, they- but it was also a little jabby. And then Aemon was kind of fucking with it and also toasted. And she, the most oblivious little fucking airhead. I love her. She's like talking about like the marriages between uh, the Valerian yeah. girls. Yeah. And- you know, and she's like, oh, like, it's cool, but, like, they just ignore you yeah, a lot. Until they're drunk. Yeah, yeah. 
So she, she's giving me Luna Lovegood for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. there was, there were like the kind of miscellaneous, not so pointed toast between Jay. Cause Jay stood up and toasted as soon as he got mad at Aegon, Aegon. And then she got up and toasted the girls. And then there was a point where after Viserys was carried out, everyone was still there and there was a roasted pig that was put in front of Aemond uh-huh. and um, Luke started laughing because of yeah. the pink, you know, the, the pink dread. Yes. And then that's when, and then also I think Aemond was coming in and um, defending Aegon because Aegon is smaller than he is clearly and a little drunk fuck clearly. And Amond is the one that is really like, I think that he just understands that he's going to be the one that's defending that family and yeah. he really gets it. We got that from Allison um, last episode where she's like, Aegon, this is our family. We need to defend our family. Like, right. it doesn't matter if you don't like your brother or not. You think he's a fucking twat. Like, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. your brother, he's your kid. Yeah. So I think that Eamon really understands that and whether or not he likes Aegon, I don't think he likes Aegon at all, but he will defend him. So not only did Luke kind of stand up to him, Eamon stood up when Luke kind of bucked up and then that's when Luke like played it off, made the toast and then Helena stood up and made her cute little toast. But like, so Eamon not only came in to the rescue one time, but then the second time, Luke, uh, you know, once the music started, brought Helena to dance, which was Jace. so cute. It's um, Jace. But it was also, or it was Jace? Yes, Jace. Oh, it was Jace. It was Jace. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Jace stole the one. He um, brought Helena to dance, which was incredibly cute. It was cute. It was also like shots fired. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Shots fired. And then, so Amond was just watching all of this. He's very Damon-like in that way. Mm-hmm. And then the roasted pig and Luke laughing, that was when it set it off. And, you know, so we all kind of, you know, know what happens if you watch the episode, you saw what happened. But I, what I really want to talk about is the fact that, first of all, Amond is, he's so much like Damon- it's not even funny. Mm-hmm. He could be Damon's fucking son, literally, because of how calculated, but also chaotic he can be. Like he yes. just waits for the right time to strike. And then he is like, okay, nothing else will happen to me. So yeah. And I definitely think that Amon looks up to Damon because we saw it in the beginning when he killed Vaymond. You know, a- Amon gives Damon a look like, oh shit bitch like you took matters into your own hands yeah whether or not I'm on your side like I respect it yeah um yeah he is very similar I mean I think they're different like Damon still gives me Loki vibes like he is chaotic chaotic like you really never know what he's gonna do Amond is a badass but he's steadfast I mean I remember in a previous episode when he was talking with um Aegon about marrying Helena he's like yeah but it's good for the family like I know you don't want to but like this is good it'll strengthen our family you know so like he is so dutiful which is really good for Allison and I actually think that like Jace 
it could be Allison's kid because he's also really dutiful, like him learning yeah. Valerian and being like, no, mom, like well, I'm gonna- Yeah, get- no, and, and yeah, we talked about it, like just this, yeah, like the second sons of it, like we talked about, like I, um, I compared Aegon and Aemon to Joffrey and Tommen and just the way that Tywin looked at both of those boys when mm-hmm. that was happening, it was like Joffrey was like, you know, he was, he was an issue. Like he was, uh, like a risk always. Um, and, but, but Tommen was always the, the smooth and steady, like calm, wise version, you know? And then I feel like it's going to be the same thing where, um, Aegon is just like the fucking kind of loser dropout version of Aemond and Aemond is the one that's like I'm really gonna pull through for the family like I'm yeah. the fucking son you know I, agree. I mean he's got Vagar like who does Aegon have right now um okay you're quizzing me on things I don't know I think it's Sunfire Perhaps. All right, so don't we won't jump ahead too far, but you get me. Like, Eamon's energy is very go out there and get it, and and Aegon's energy is like if it's given to me, then like I'll fucks with it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, exactly. So, so, so yeah, so we see how the episode ends. What am I like forgetting right now? Oh, no, 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 no. That's not how it ends. Uh, we are very close to the ending, but basically, what happens is like they all kind of get into a fight. Um, you know, Jace goes after Amond and Luke go- like goes after Aegon. Aegon fucking smacks Luke face Luke's face into the table. Jace punches a uh Amond, but it does nothing, and then Amond kicks him down. Uh, you know. Oh, very reminiscent of when yeah, they did it. Exactly. Very reminiscent of the training yard with uh Kristen and Harwin. But then basically uh, Alicent and Rhaenyra jump up and Damon jumps up. Damon tells the boys, uh, Jason, Luke, like back up, back up, back up. And then turns around to face Aemon head on. And they're both just standing there and Damon's like, okay, try it. And it was hot. It was really hot. Uh, And we know that just with this just with the looks just with everything there's gonna be like it's gonna be the battle of of Amund and Damon like ultimately at the end of it they're the only two people that can compete against one another with their power so yeah yeah so that's kind of where this scene ends but then we have a moment where Rhaenyra sends the kids back to their chambers Amund leaves and Rhaenyra and and Allison talk to each other and they say, you know, Rhaenyra is like, I think it's best we just get back to Dragonstone now. And Allison mm-hmm. is upset. And Rhaenyra says, okay, well, let me see the kids home and I'll fly back on Dragonback. And oh. Allison says, you know, the king and I would love that. And so they share this moment of really missing each other and really wanting each other to be, I think it's very genuine. I don't think on any front that it's, um, there's well, no intent. Allison knows that, like, I mean, as much as she might, like, resent Viserys, that was still her husband who helped her raise kids for many years. And I'm just like, yeah, like, she's losing somebody very close to her. And, like, it would be nice to have someone who is close to this person as well mourn with me. 
who's a woman. Well, yeah, no, exactly. And this thing is like, we have said it before, Allison is literally only surrounded by men that are trying to take advantage of the power that she yields right now. Like she has no girlfriends. There are none, you know? Um, So, you know, at the end of this episode, we see, and I think this is, this is obviously incredibly important. It's literally setting the stage for the rest of the series. But, um, there was last the the night before this happened that's when Rhaenyra goes to Viserys when he sleep and milked up on the poppy and and mm-hmm. she says um you know she's asking about the prophecy of a song and ice and fire and she says you know basically is begging like if you really need me to lead this prophecy then I need your help mm-hmm. and he's not able to answer her so then tonight this night after the dinner, Rhaenyra leaves with the kids, but Allison goes to the chambers and is checking on Viserys and he thinks that she is Rhaenyra and then basically is responding to her questions like a song of ice and fire, you know, it's Aegon. Aegon is the prince who is promised. He's talking about Rhaenyra's son, Aegon, but of course, Allison also has an Aegon. So, right. She, we can see just like, you know, she, and she's a holy woman. So when she hears of things of prophecy, she just like wholeheartedly believes them. She doesn't question anything. She doesn't question the validity of this man or the sound mind of this man at all. And also I think part of her just wants to believe that like her son is the prince that was promised. You know, like, I think that she just was eager to believe that her children surmounted to more than what it was especially because she just like basically gave Rhaenyra you know her blessing to be queen she said you would make a great great queen in that that means that her family is then just the kin of the queen not anything more than that right no decision yeah so that's kind of what I thought of it is that you know you're believing something that's convenient for yourself and mm-hmm. um and then we see this is jumping into the preview of the next episode but we see that that really does spin everything where she then thinks her Aegon the rapey fucking prince that he is you know is the prince that was promised and it, you know we'll stop at nothing to see him on the iron throne and that's I think where the the true dance of the dragons actually begins is from this point yeah, yeah, and I think we needed all of that set up to get there. So absolutely, um, absolutely. it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I forgot about the ending for a second there because I forgot that those two scenes were split so far away from one another. But yeah, Viserys is speaking to Alicent as if she's Rhaenyra, and earlier when he was speaking to Rhaenyra, he thought that it was Alicent first. So yeah. it's kind of funny the way that that was like full circle. Um, I'm very excited. I don't even want to guess a theory. Obviously there's books, but like there's so many things that are in the air and crazy that I'm like, I'm not even giving theories right now. Yeah, I am too impatient to wait for the theories. And I hate the fact that um, I can hardly look online without getting a spoiler. So I am reading the book currently. By this time next week, I will probably be done with it. I'm already a more than a quarter of the way done with it and I got it yesterday so <laughs> yeah so I'll know what's happening but rest assured I will never spoil anything on this podcast I will never spoil anything for Maddie herself 
unless she chooses to read the book. But I um, ask you to spoil it, which I probably won't because this shit's coming out fast. But we'll see how we do in the dry season in between. Yeah, yeah. we might be might be jonesing for information, literally. Yes. By the way, I just wanted to touch on this again. You know, we touched on it in a previous pod, but um, we had mistaken Amelia's pronouns and, Emma. you know, I, oh, Jesus, Amelia Clark. Yay, yay, yay. <laughs> Emma, wow, I am all over the place. My wires are crossed, baby. But I just wanted to touch on Emma um, and her pronouns. Oh, my God, their pronouns. See, this is why we're bringing it up because I make mistakes all the time. And I think uh, I probably will make the the mistakes because Rhaenyra's character is a she identifying character. So I just want to apologize for that again, because I know that I did it uh, earlier and I was like, oh, fuck, like this is going to be tricky in between character and person because my mind is moving fast. And, you know, like we're learning and we're trying and I'm sure other people go through this, but, you know, I just wanted to say it again because um, it's a learning moment for everybody and it's a curve. So thanks everyone for tuning in to another fucking whorish, hoish, sluttyish pod with us. Again, deep diving into these sexy details of Damon's fucking steamy ass eyes. Ugh. Basically, basically, Eamon. the head. He's got that fuckboy stance. You know, I'm very, very excited about Eamon too because he is fine. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Anyways, guys, come check us out. Come fucking find us on Instagram at HB mm-hmm. Twitter at HB underscore hose, and yeah. you can email us at HB hose at. Nope. Email nope. at hose at hbhose.com. Sorry, I was getting ahead of myself there. Uh, yeah, check in, send us some comments, help us out with questions that we've had because we didn't Google the things before because we didn't think of it. But, you know, we love you. Yeah, we love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. We're very excited about the season. So stick with us. Hell yeah. We'll see you Bye. next week. Bye.